Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, true believers. This is Stan Lee, and I want to be sure to see you at my Los Angeles Super Comic Con on October 28th to 30th. And be sure to use code MELTDOWN for 12% off your tickets. Excelsior! Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentials with Matt Kennedy, and we have another giveaway. So if you go to the Meltdown Comics website, which is meltcomics.com, and you uh, subscribe to their newsletter, you can be entered into a contest to win tickets for the Guillermo del Toro 35mm film screening program at LACMA. You've heard us talk about the At Home with Monsters show on the program, and this is the film program that goes with it. So if you go and find the screening that you want to see, whether it's the October 21st Chrono screening or the Pan's Labyrinth October 28th screening and then there's other uh, screenings of things like Bride of Frankenstein and the two Hellboy movies Pacific Rim Crimson Peak and um, other amazing things that he's programmed Um, you just need to put a link to it on your Facebook page um, and take a screen grab and post it over with us on Pod Sequentialism as well and uh, see if we can't get you some awesome tickets Hello, welcome to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. And today we have a very special guest. We have Natasha Shondell. Hi. Hello. And um, Natasha is the host of a new show on the network, on the Meltdown Network, called Kind of Dating. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about, um, you know, a little bit of Natasha's origin story. It's so convoluted. I love convoluted (laughs) origin stories. You'll fit right in. And so, um, so you're from Canada. Yeah, so... Born in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was born in Dubai. Um, I was lived in India, Bombay for a year, mm-hmm. and then moved to Toronto when I was seven. You're the third person I know who has um, split time early in life between Dubai and India. Oh, yeah, because there are lots of brown people in Dubai. They take us and they put us there and they're like, build our infrastructure. Ah. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, my parents were there for 15 years. Wow. Yeah. So how old were you when you, when you moved to Canada? Um, I was seven. So I left Dubai when, it, when I was six years old because they feared the Gulf War. Right. And it never actually moved into Dubai. But, you know, they were being like cautious. And so we left and then lived in India for a year and mm-hmm. moved to Canada when I was seven. Wow. Yeah. My, my sister was actually stationed in Dubai around that time. She was oh, in the really? Air Force. That was before she retired. It's funny. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> Not even the heat? That's maybe the only thing I remember about yeah. it, but it was still cold mornings. That's like my earliest memories. I remember right. just shivering in the mornings out of the shower, but that's about it. <laughs> that's amazing. So you've, you've obviously been um, interested in podcasting as a format for a while. Mm-hmm. And before you came to LA, um, were you working on anything like that in Canada? 
Uh, no, I was never actually working in like the podcast slash kind of radio environment, but I mm-hmm. did go to school. Like my for university, I went. Um, I took radio and television arts, mm-hmm. and so our first year was all on radio. So I did. Where'd learn you go? Ryerson University. Ryerson. Okay. Oh yeah. I was hey, hoping you were going to say have... Banning, so I could say Harvard of the North. It's like <laughs> the only college I know in well, Canada. Well, Ryerson University for this program is literally one of the most acclaimed in all of North America. The for, Emerson of the North. It is. It yes. is for this kind of stuff, and. Um, um, so our first year we did radio mm-hmm. and radio technique. And so, you know, we learned all about sound stories and how to speak into a mic. Yep. And thankfully, I was a news reporter before that um, in, in local television. So I kind of oh, cool. knew some of these things. Um, and I always just wanted a talk show. You look 24. You're so sweet because that's what I am. Perfect. <laughs> you guessed <laughs> correctly. But you've got so much experience already under yeah. your belt. Yeah, I... Um, I'm one of those lucky people who kind of knew what I always wanted to do. Wow. And it was always entertainment and media. I'm and envious. it started off as an, oh, trust me, it's not always, <laughs> you know, uh, butterflies and roses, but um, I, I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And so I still act, but that was my primary goal when I was young. And my parents, you know, Indian conservative, conservative parents wouldn't let me go to theater school. Sure. So they were like, um, yeah, no. Yeah. And so that's instead, not a thing for a woman to do. Yeah. They, and especially back then, you yeah. know, you never even saw Indian people on TV. Right. Um, so thankfully, actually, they said no. And I got into like media classes and programs and started mm-hmm. um, hosting and reporting and just working for local television and actually had my uh, 10th grade um teacher tell me, he's like, you know, you'd be great at either one of two things. You'd be an amazing stewardess or you would be a great television host. And I was like, huh, cool. Yeah. And so I, I you know, joined the local TV network mm. when I was 16 years old and started out as um, a teleprompter, then was a camera person and then studio camera. Mm-hmm. And then I was a floor director for two and a half years. Wow. And then I became a news reporter. Child labor laws in it, Canada it was, are amazing. That's true. Justin Trudeau has his work cut out for him. Yeah. And yeah, so I just kind of got lucky. I got thrown into things and Mm -hmm. I, and, and, you know, you're young and adventurous. So Mm -hmm. I took the opportunities and by the time I was 18, I had an associate producer credit and I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) And so at what point did um, MTV get in touch with you? So MTV didn't, well, they didn't get in touch with me. I, at that point I had, uh, I was in university and I had already worked for a lot of the major networks in Canada. Mm Mm-hmm. So it didn't make sense for me to go back and do internships there right. all, when I was already kind of working, even if it was as PA, unit assistant, whatever, I was already yeah. doing that stuff. I know what you mean. I actually, back in the 90s, I was on the Ricky Rackman radio show in LA, yeah. the Triple R, which we were number one uh, drive time FM talk show. And um, we were. I was taking a broadcasting class at like LACC. And it, it was weird to me to be taking a class when I was already doing that. And sort of thinking like, well, you know, our advertising is up. We do really well on Fridays when I'm on the show. And I'm wondering, like, how much this criticism should I take to heart? No, I didn't actually get a lot of criticism. But um, but it's it's an interesting situation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, I mean, I think most people, most of my classmates would have probably stayed in Canada. But mm-hmm. it's me. I was a dreamer. I was like, forget this. Mm-hmm. And so I only applied for American internships. Right. Actually, applied for everything in LA and only one in New York which is MTV mm-hmm. and I actually didn't want it 
because yeah. I wasn't. Int- I wanted to be in news. I was like, I want to work for ABC News in LA. Yeah. And that didn't happen. <laughs> and the only internship I got was at MTV in New York. And so it was, was like, actually great. in the New York offices. It was in the New York office at Times Square. Wow. And uh, and then hated my first summer there. Mm-hmm. Hated it, but loved my job. But hated it. Actually, I was at VH1 in news and docs, mm-hmm. and we worked on a very special. Uh, documentary they had that actually won some awards after. It was called Hip Hop Videos, Sexploitation on the Video Set. Nice. And I had to go through logs of stripper videos and, and you know, write time code and everything right. like Going down the pole, thirty seconds to forty-two seconds. Um, so you're editing too. I mean, if you're providing the uh, the time codes, you, you qualify as an assistant editor. Yep. There's another union you could join. Oh yeah, that Viacom would have a problem with. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, so basically, I did my internship there, mm-hmm. and then fell in love with New York after I left. When I sure. came back to Toronto, I was like, wait, what the. F- Fuck. Yeah. Can I swear on this? You might as well. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm we're going to have to when we get to the tagline for your show after it's our true. break. It's true. Um, I actually don't put the curse word in in the iTunes description because I don't even know if it's allowed. <laughs> right, right. No, we, we, we get a flag for any every once in a yeah. while. We like to keep it sort of PG-13, but we'll, we'll, we'll get where we get. Yeah, you're much better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so did my internship and then just became obsessed, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. about moving to New York and working back for MTV Mm -hmm. and then when the opportunity came actually the opportunity didn't come Mm -hmm. I just was one day like F this and I just move anyway yeah and I literally came from Canada with two bags of clothes no visa nowhere to stay no job and I was like I'm going and my parents I don't know why they let me go but Mm -hmm. I think they were just kind of they saw it that I was determined and so I went that's why there's no homeless problem in Canada yeah, so everybody's on tour here yeah I've always said that yeah well the um so the how'd you make it from from New York to California so I had um, I had spent uh, six years in New York had always wanted to move to LA mm-hmm. and um, the transfer wasn't happening and then uh, it just so happens to be some restructuring happened at Viacom sure and so uh, I was actually laid off and yeah. While I was on a severance, it's amazing you lasted six years without getting laid off, hired, well, laid off, hired. It was laid off, hired. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't at MTV the entire six years. I was there okay. for almost four years. But mm-hmm. um, that happened, and instead of taking it as kind of a negative, which I did for a little bit, it was the first time I was like, "What?" But yeah. of course, you know, restructuring is a yeah. different concept than being fired. Yeah. But um, my mom actually was like, "Hey, listen, you're on severance. Why don't?" You just go to L.A. while you're being paid. And I was like, that's a great idea. And mind you, MTV still hired me back, but they hired me back freelance now. Right. Because before I was staff. So I was working with them freelance here. And uh, and yeah, I just decided to move while they were still paying for me. (laughs) How long ago was that? That was two and a half years ago. Nice. And thankfully, I have only been out of work for three weeks uh, since I've moved to L.A. Very good. So it's thank God. (laughs) <laughs> and had many awesome experiences. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot to do here too, and it's the thing for people who don't know. Um, the major differences between uh, New York and Los Angeles are the transportation system in New York allows you to kind of plan out almost down to the minute how and when you can get someplace. Mm-hmm. 
And in LA with the sprawl and the traffic, that is impossible. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people who are unfamiliar with Los Angeles will call people from LA flaky because they're always late. And it's because the first couple of times they were late, they actually apologized and they even had an excuse and a reason really more than an excuse. And then they realized that it was impossible to get any place on time and just yeah. stopped apologizing. And people who aren't aware of that don't realize. Although I do think there's one difference is that um, New York, you can sort of plan, but honestly, trains go down all the time over there. That's true. And so you just plan to leave early because Mm. it's kind of a no excuse policy. Yeah. If you show up late anywhere... People it's will like, give you a little bit of shit. Yeah. Oh, not even a little. It's just like, <laughs> excuse me, you showed up late. They will cancel your interviews. They'll cancel your meetings. Like, oh, right, right. In a professional can't. capacity, yes. absolutely. But yeah. even for for any you when you're meeting friends, yeah. my friends would be so mad because I'm so, if outside of a work setting, I'm known to be a little, you know, ten minutes late or so. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you in advance. I'll be like, hey, look, I ran ten minutes late. Mm-hmm. But there, you have to pre-plan. In LA, I think people still don't pre-plan, knowing that they're going to be late. Right. You know, there in New York, I would leave an hour before I had to get anywhere and if that means I had to putz around somewhere if I got there early that's what you do but in LA everybody's trying to be fashionably late when I was an actor in the in the 90s and I didn't have a car oh yeah I was I I did tons of television uh, commercials I was in the Super Bowl spots four years in a row Ah. but um, had a couple pilots we'll talk about that offline but um, the getting around town was so much easier in the 90s than it is now um, for so many for multitude of reasons but I didn't even have a car, and I could hit three, four auditions a day just on the bus. Mm-hmm. Like, I could get where I needed to get, and the bus schedule was, was pretty easy to mm-hmm. predict, and it was it was really um, not a difficult thing to do. When I got a car, if I looked on my schedule and I saw that there was a callback on the west side and then, like, a first call for, like, Mountain Dew in the Valley, I'd be like... Mm-hmm. Am I going to hit that Mountain Dew? Am I going to not go because I don't want to be stuck in traffic? Totally. And that's like having a much easier way to get around. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe that was just me. No, no. I, I, listen, I find it so difficult sometimes to make auditions here because yeah. they're just so far away. Yeah. And, and especially with my work schedule now, yeah. I'm like, wait, I can't be in traffic for two hours each way it's like half my work day yeah yeah for sure and i mean and also you know all of us um, i think almost all of us that that have um podcasts and network have other jobs and Mm -hmm. certainly you know i run the loose de jesus gallery and so i leave my job to come here and and podcast and i think a lot of other people have have planned around their lives it's easier for me because i i run the place and i can arrange my schedule and i can get in and out but um, you know, there's been days we do like three podcasts in a row, and that's like a huge chunk of time. Yeah. So if I do that, I have to stay late to kind right. of make up for it. But the um, you were absolutely on time today, so I Yay. appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you. And it was not easy to do. I try. I try. So we're going to take a little quick break right now, and uh, when we come back, we're going to dig into um, Maker Studio and your podcast, Kind of Dating. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to hear a little word from one of our sponsors. Hello and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy, and I have with me my guest today, Natasha Shondell, who is the host of the Meltcast Kind of Dating podcast. And I'm also a, um, what is your role at Maker Studio? So creative exec in current series development. Excellent. So th- this is this is a very important person to know. I'm really I'm really happy that I have you across the table here for me. So give me a little rundown about. I think people who are familiar with with podcasts and even just like online presence of like YouTube videos and things like that 
sort of tangentially know Maker Studio. Mm-hmm. And if you read any of the trades, you see Maker Studio every day in the trades, and mm-hmm. there's always exciting things happening. But um, what's what's their reach right now? What's their big show? What's what's the really exciting things with Maker Studios? Well, we're actually doing a rebrand of our four channels. Mm-hmm. So we're um, it hasn't been announced yet, so I can't reveal completely what they are. But um, will it be in three weeks? <laughs> I can't say, but I will. Say, I mean, I can give you the genres of the channels, which most sure. people have known, but you know, it's comedy, gaming, life and style, and kids. Cool. Um, and so, but the whole rebrand of those channels and what they will be will be announced. Right. Uh, so we have just a whole new slate of shows because Maker Studios is now a part of Disney. Mm-hmm. We were acquired, um, I think, about two years ago, but um, fully kind of entrenched in the Disney world now. Mm -hmm. So some of our kids' programming and stuff is um, geared towards that. Uh, But again, everything is like a maker-esque style. Um, So I can't reveal the new shows, but there are some really great ones coming out. Excellent. And so um, in development, that means that you have a say over a new series. And so you Mm -hmm. must get hit with people that are trying to pitch their shows a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a group of us. There's um, eight of us in our team. Mm-hmm. We have two development um, arms. One is a, a program we call Spark, which is our pilot program, and it's usually an internal program, a group of development execs who create the ideas internally and mm-hmm. or with specifically maker talent, like the ne- the gotcha. network talent, and we only do pilots with them. Mm-hmm. When pilots are greenlit, they get handed off to my team, mm-hmm. and we flush them out into full series, Excellent. Um, and we accept third-party pitches. Actually, I'm one of those few people, maybe because I've been on the other side, I mm-hmm. always welcome everything. I'm like, sure, talk to me, tell me, because I don't know where the next great idea will come from, and right. you know, I'm really happy to hear things as long as it fits in our bill and sometimes it doesn't and that's like the hard part to say oh, sorry it's not a fit or but um but usually I'm like yeah Bring send it. away <laughs> the worst i can say is no yeah exactly yeah. yeah and so um who's the biggest talent on the network or the you can name 405 PewDiePie is our biggest one. Yeah. Um, I've reached he, out to him. I've invited him on the show. He's he is uh, far far too uh, busy I'm in his sure. own schedule. Yeah. Not to do this, but just to do anything. Yeah. He can barely do shows with us. I'm Although sure. we have a new uh, network with him called Revel Mode, a mm-hmm. specific gaming network that he's partnered with Maker Studios to create. Um, so we have PewDiePie, we have the Shaytards, um, we have Shane Dawson, one mm-hmm. of the biggest ones. Um, in Life and Style, we have Amy Pham. Amy Pham. Yeah. Amy huge, Pham. huge yeah. makeup podcast mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the first people that I was aware of to become like a multimillionaire almost overnight because of podcasting mm-hmm. and because of um, vcasting. And um, someone else I would also reach out to to have on the show. But um, yeah. because I think we reach a completely different demographic and we can talk about, you know, the branding stuff that she's done. She totally. had her own printer on the market that prints makeup, I think, and, oh. and several other amazing things. But um, so... My my next question is, is kind of um, logistical, I guess, mm-hmm. that... You've got your own podcast on our network, Mm -hmm. and you work at Maker Studio, and so it's kind of amazing that Kind of Dating isn't a Maker Studio podcast, but I imagine that it's probably because of ownership issues. Well, also, Maker Studio doesn't do podcasts. Right. So it never was, it's never much of an issue. It it was an issue, and I paused on some of of, um, trying to to make uh, 
to make Kind of Dating earlier was mm-hmm. because it was a time maker was considering podcasts. Right. It's not at the moment. Mm-hmm. So didn't seem like a big issue. Um, but yeah, it's usually a rights issue. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And we know how that goes. You yeah. know, I've, I've, I've been down that road with, with shows at Viacom and other places and where there may be a good outlet and and certainly there have been people at who had very, very big shows and you can, whether it's, you look at Beavis and Butthead, Mike Judge at, at Viacom or um, some of the craziness that John Kay went through with Ren and Stimpy mm-hmm. and the multiple lawsuits that, um, that the idea of, you have to measure out, you know, it's like, what is your potential? What is this thing? You know, what is your idea? And is it something that can only be accomplished with you or is it something that can be handed off? And then you have mm-hmm. to find out, well, if they can do it without me, they might do it without me. How much exactly. creative control do I have? How much ownership mm-hmm. and those types of things? And I think that people who listen to this podcast are interested in those types of yeah. uh, you know, discernments. Yeah. And I think... Um you know, when you are considering those things, you it's actually easier to come in as a third party pitching than do it internally at your own network. Yeah. Um, just as an FYI to anybody who thinks, oh, because you're at a network, it must be easier. It's actually not. And yeah. you, it's a lot more red tape in terms of what you said, the ownership. So yeah. if, if I were to pitch, does that mean it belongs now to Maker? Right. Or is it mine? Right. Um, and so, you know, those are things that we try to clear earlier in conversations with networks and later. Right. So, And I think it's probably true of business in general that you don't often see a lot of promotion from within mm-hmm. that if they get a new director or a new head of marketing, it's somebody that they solicit from another mm-hmm. area that comes in. Yeah. It's almost never pushed up from, from within. I guess the idea being that um, you don't get new ideas from the people you already have working with you. We, you know, our development team is really great that way. We do both. We have team, you know, we have weekly development meetings mm-hmm. where we all come up with internal ideas mm-hmm. and we field things from third parties. So it's great. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, of course, yeah, if you care about your name being on everything, it's not. Right. Because when you're working at a network, Everything you do belongs to network. When yep. I was at MTV, nobody knew any of the content besides the articles I was writing that said by Natasha Chandel. Yeah. But the videos I was producing or the shows or anything, it does never says it. It actually just, it's a Viacom It's project. like comics in the 50s. Yeah. No credit. You know, yeah. Just, just talent. Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of, you know, we come up with ideas and they might be the next big thing at Maker and it just as, you know, created by Maker and our head of development. Yep. Well, now let's talk about kind of dating because yeah. we've, we've been dancing around it and it's really kind of the major reason why why I'm having you on the show because we're on the same network, but um, I got to sit in, I think, on an early episode that was that was being shot in the same booth that we're in and it was set up for video, I believe. I had to leave early, but I was like, this seems like a really good show. <laughs> so tell me about kind of dating. How'd you develop it? What's the ethic behind it? Mm-hmm. And, you know... All that good stuff. So Kind of Dating is kind of a fun, lighthearted dating podcast where I talk to cool um, entertainment type of guests. Usually Mm -hmm. they end up being. um, And we break down one dating topic. And it's opinion based. It's not an advice show necessarily that I'm not an expert. I'm an expert on my life. Gotcha. Um, And and so we share our opinions on dating topics and try to break down and try to understand why people have commitment issues. Right. I believe it's why the fuck. It's true. Do we it's have why the issues? fuck do we all have commitment issues? Yes. Um, and kind of dating came from the fact that nowadays nobody ever says they're actually in a relationship. Right. So everybody's like, I'm kind of dating this guy. I'm kind of dating this girl. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I came up with the idea because I love 
to talk about the dating world. Yeah. And I have been, a, you know, in relationships and dating. Mm. <laughs> I mean, this is just a joke. My friends are, you know, at one point they they didn't even know people by name. They knew them by the cities. I was also notorious. Dating people com- not yeah. from your city. And yeah. I was a notorious commitment phobe. So I would call somebody by their city. I was like, yeah. oh, London called, Vancouver called, yeah. whatever, called, and Philly called. And then they'd be like, so wait, who's on the phone right now? Vancouver? No, wait, London? <laughs> and then they would purposely say it loud. To, so the other person I was like, shut up. Right, right. You're like muffling your, yeah. your microphone. <laughs> so the... um. It's a really it's a really great idea for a show. I mean, obviously, if you walk into the supermarket, the entire checkout aisle is obsessed with dating. Exactly. Like everybody yeah. is obsessed with dating, and it's mm-hmm. specifically with entertainment celebrity type mm-hmm. people. And so, um, I got to imagine that a topic of conversation, if not on a show this past week or one coming up, is going to be you know the Bradgelina breakup and people having opinions about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we try. You know, um, the other cool thing with is. I, like you said, Pete, everybody has a dating story that they yeah. want to share. So whenever I tell them about the podcast, mm-hmm. literally people tell me their dating stories, right. which is so fun. And I actually like it. And then I end up in a conversation. So people like to share that. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, it's not a sex show. Because right. as, as somebody who you know writes comedy and stuff, I think sex is kind of... I, I don't want to say no it's pun low, intended. It's played out. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of it's a slightly lowbrow for me yeah. at this point because I feel like everybody does this the easy sell. Yeah. And I like to get to know people in the dating realm because right. every guest that comes in and the way they tell me about how they think about a certain topic tells me a lot about them. Right. Um, and you know, at the end of our show, we play this thing called Five Questions, mm-hmm. and I ask them our dating version of the Bernard Pivot questionnaire, the kind that you see on James Lipton's James um, Lipton, Inside the, the Actor Studio. The most psychophantic yeah. man in the history so of America. We, yeah. So we created our own Five Questions. Well, I live people. for this, so we're going to play that right now Oh my on God, show. awesome. I, I, there's nothing, I have, I have fantasized more often about answering those questions, I think, than anything else <laughs> in my life. So hit me, hit me with the okay. five questions. They're different questions. No, That's no, fine. They're, no, they're the exact same question every time. No, no, no. He thinks that they're. No, I don't. Oh, no, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Our, our, our engineer Mason is making an assumption. <laughs> we know it happens when you assume. It's it's out. It's again, they're dating questions, but that mm-hmm. I believe reveal a lot about people. Sure. So I hope I remember them. Okay. But let's try. Yeah. Um, uh, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? The first thing I notice about a potential partner or just a girl on a date? Potential partner. Potential Whatever partner. Whatever you want. How, again, I leave that open-ended. Whatever, what is the first thing you notice? How they treat our waiter or waitress. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Get that a lot? Yeah. What turns you on? What turns me on? Um, I like talent. So, like, the, the thing that has always been the deciding factor about whether or not I date somebody a couple of times or we become, like, boyfriend and girlfriend mm-hmm. generally boils down to whether or not I have respect for a talent that they have. Right. And I generally seek people that have a talent, whether it's painting, photography, design, or, um, you know, some other, you know, unarticulated thing, but that they have to have this one thing that they're really, really good at. What is your one deal breaker? My one deal breaker. Is there only one? Is mm-hmm. there one? Let me see. The only deal breaker, bad hygiene. Mm. Bad hygiene is a deal breaker. That's 
That's an important one. People yeah. can be smelly. Yeah. Um, I am trying to pull up the other questions here because I have such a bad memory of my own <laughs> questions. Oh, that's the so Look at you. You're the best. <laughs> Love Mason. We, we're going to applaud Mason. Yes. I, I know the last question. So what is your one dating strength and one dating weakness? I always, and it could be in a relationship too. Sure, sure. My strength is that I always have something to talk about mm-hmm. and... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm conversational so that I think that it's we never hit that moment where there's a low and you know some people don't want to be bombarded with someone who talks a lot and I, I certainly I think I do but um, I don't think that's the weakness I think my weakness ironically is that I can be very unsympathetic mm, almost apathetic I'm not no I'm not apathetic I definitely have an opinion about yeah. stuff but I don't have a lot of sympathy for people. Right. And so if people hit me with like a sad story or a complaint, my immediate reaction is like, well, let's fix this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how do we fix that? And if they're just telling me a story because they need to vent, which is like everybody, I know this, <laughs> um, not everybody wants to have a solution to their problem. They just want to, you know, talk about the problem that I, I tend to either tune out or I get aggravated by it. And, um, or I certainly have in the past. It's something that I strive to correct moving forward. So um, I think that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one is, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Three words. Mm -hmm. You're the best. (laughs) Nice. There you go. See? And that already told me so much about you. Yes, yes. Um, You just did the five questions. Perfect. All right. Well, um, to continue this, I guess I should tell everybody that they have to tune into Kind of Dating podcast on the Meltdown Network. Yeah, we have some really big guests coming up, too. We have... uh, uh, Instagram star Laura Clary coming mm-hmm. up. Um, actually, our very next episode's on breakups because mm-hmm. I was in a relationship when we started the show, and uh, now I'm not. And so I decided. Was it because of the show? Uh, Were you no. spending too much time on your podcast? <laughs> I wish no, but uh, uh, he probably isn't going to be a fan of it. Yeah. Um, and so I decided let's just do a breakup episode with a therapist and nice. just talking about how to heal. And we're still doing it in a fun way, but it's mm-hmm. a good takeaway. Um, and then we have Laura Clary, who's an Instagram star and a very big Bollywood star and former adult star um, Sonny Leone is coming up in Everybody knows Sonny Leone. Yeah, yeah. uh, Yeah, I was so excited to have her. We did confidence in relationships. Right, right. I I think I knew somebody who dated her actually at at a point. Like actually dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so sweet. Cool. Yeah. And um, so hit me with some social media. Where can people find you? We're at Kind of Dating on uh, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of Dating on iTunes, Google Play, Blog Talk Radio. And on YouTube, we're at Natasha Chandel. So my personal YouTube account. Spell that out. N-A-T-A-S-H-A-C-H-A-N, D for dog, E for elephant, L for lion. Natasha Chandel. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I would love to appear on your show at some time. Yes, totally. (laughs) This month we have to do it because we're going to get real busy with uh, Stan Lee's L.A. Comic-Con. That's right. Uh, The rebranded Kamikaze is now the um, Stan Lee's L.A. Comic-Con. And uh, with a break between comic and con, so not Comic-Con, which I believe is copyrighted. Um, And I'll be podcasting live from the show. Mm -hmm. 
and um, there will be some a lot of crossover podcasts there as well. We started one um, earlier this month between two packs a week and um, and pod sequentialism, and this, they'll continue to carry over. And so, yeah, I look forward to it. Let me know. You can book me anytime. Uh, absolutely. We're going to do it in the next couple of weeks. Perfect. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. Yeah. So um, this has, of course, been um, pod sequentialism. I have been your host, Matt Kennedy. Uh, we are recording at the Meltdown Comics and Collectibles store. The podcast is brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles, La Luz de Jesus Gallery, and the Soap Plant Wacko Superstore. So until next week, um, listen to our new podcast. Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentialism. And um, what many, many of you may know that I, I do run a gallery in Los Angeles called La Luz de Jesus Gallery. And what you may not know is that it's inside Wacko, which is probably the greatest center of pop culture in the world. And it may sound like hyperbole. It's not. Um, you can, If you don't want to trust my judgment, you can listen to people like Kevin Smith, uh, James Gunn, uh, David Mack, um, all of whom will swear that uh, one of their favorite places on earth is uh, Wacko, the shop that houses La Luz de Jesus Gallery. Um, whether it's blind box toys or little tchotchkes or art books, it pretty much is the place that you can get all of your Christmas shopping done for every possible annoying person to buy for that you can imagine. They've got everything, and I highly recommend that you visit them. You can visit them online at soapplant.com. You can visit the gallery at laluzdejesus.com, and that's spelled L-A-L-U-Z-D-E-J-E-S-U-S.com. Check them out and tell them Matt Kennedy sent you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.